This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Mississippi Education Connection. I'm your host, Michelle McAdoo, along with my co-host, Tara Wren, Director of Education here at MPB. Well, over the last past six months, Mississippi Education Connection has been dedicated to bringing Mississippi families together during this COVID-19 pandemic. Now, each week we talk with guests who provided relevant and timely educational information, ideas and strategies for parents, teachers, students and the community at large. And today will be our final live on air show. So we've decided to take a look back at some of our most interesting shows. But don't worry, we're not going far. You can listen to our new podcast episodes every week on your favorite podcast app. Now, if Mississippi Education Connection has helped you and your family in any way, we'd love for you to give us a call this morning and tell us how we've made a difference in your life. The number is one 672 Seven four six four. Well, Tara, my last good morning, Tara. I know. Good morning. <laughs> Does it feel like six months? Already? It doesn't feel like six months. It doesn't. It rolled by really fast. We had a lot of things happen going on, a lot of good conversations, and it just you know when they say when something's good, my high time time flies. time flies when you're having fun. Yes, and it's been good. It's, it has. Yeah, I've enjoyed enjoyed it. Me too. (laughs) And later on in the show, Terry, you and I and our new host uh, for the podcast will talk about uh, what's next for um, Mississippi Education Connection and um, what's next. And we'll talk about goals and things that you guys um, had in place that you had in place for the show Mm -hmm. and just see if you implemented those and um, what other goals you want to uh, take the show to the next level. Mm -hmm. Speaking of next level, we're going to put this out there right quick and we're going to come back later on in the show to talk about it. But tell everyone the new news about the show. Well, the sh- like you said earlier, the show's not going away, not going too far. It's going to stay right here under the umbrella of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. So MPB Education will now take the reins along with you continuing to support us. And we're going to turn this show into a pot, a weekly podcast. And so Jermaine's going to come on later and talk with us about that. But we're excited about it because we're going to be able to continue this conversation. And folks won't just have to be here every Friday morning to hear us. They can hear it on the podcast. And jogging at home at night. Wherever they Wherever. want to. Yes. And well, tell them and about now, the we, right well, the name, the Mississippi Education Connections, because we want to maybe um, put some a line between both of them, not necessarily a hard line, but so people will notice that there's a difference between the live broadcast mm-hmm. and the podcast. We're inviting everyone to help us rename or re or name the podcast. So if you have your creative juices going this morning, flowing, you have a, a snazzy name that we can call our education podcast. Hey, call us. Don't hesitate to call us. Be thinking about it. And when Jermaine comes on by the end of the show, she would love to hear some of your ideas. True. And if they don't think of any now, they can email them to education at mpbonline.org. You will hear that email throughout the show because that is where you can send ideas for the show, guest ideas, topic ideas, and show name ideas. So we're going to talk about that throughout the show and let you know that if you um, have any ideas about the new name for the podcast, give us a call. 1-877-672-7464. Well, over the past six months there, we've had an opportunity to talk to many top officials within our state's government and educational system. Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman and State Superintendent of Education, Dr. Carrie Wright, stopped by to discuss the effects of COVID-19 on education and a lot more. Let's take a listen. Lieutenant Governor, we know that you engage with teachers throughout the year around the state. And as I mentioned earlier, when Michelle and I were talking, we've worked together with your office, even as Secretary of State and now as Lieutenant Governor, on just some programs that where you engage with teachers. So you're talking with teachers and students all the time. What are they saying to you about this current situation? Well, it's a whole gambit. I, I'm, I'm in class every day. Um, I was in an AP history class. I've been in a math class. I've been in a Spanish class. 
which I'm glad I didn't have to take the exam on that one. Uh, I have been with two-year-olds yesterday, I mean, uh, second graders yesterday from Oxford. Uh, I was in groups in Scott County, Columbus, Hernando, Wayne County in South Mississippi, uh, Hattiesburg. I mean, we're we're in class with all of these kids, and we watch the teachers teach, and then we, we talk to them about what we're doing in the legislature, and then we ask, ask questions. I've done dozens of these around the state. Uh, virtually every day I'm in class two or three times a day. And as part of that, I learn a lot. And I started asking the last few days, how is this going? If you'd ask a teacher in September and tell them they were going to be teaching all their courses online in March, they'd tell you, you couldn't get one person to say you were in a nut, you know. Well, here they are. They're all teaching online. So I, I, had, I asked the kids, how do they like this? I thought that was important. And we actually have been taking polling of the children. Mm which is, by the way, you need to do that on occasion Mm -hmm. because children have a, uh, I've had some experience talking to them about that and they say good things. When we did that, it's running about 60 to 70% want to be back in school. Mm -hmm. Another about 15 or 20% want to do some distance learning and some in school. Mm -hmm. And then the other ones want to do 10% or so, 10 to 15% want to do just distance learning. Mm -hmm. So it's overwhelming that kids want to be back in the classroom. And the reasons are, these are not going to surprise you or any of the teachers that are listening, but the reasons are we we like uh, if we have a problem or trouble, our teacher can come to my desk and show me how to work on it. That's a very common thing I heard. And then others is I miss my classmates. Mm-hmm. You know, I miss I miss being in school. I miss the social. I miss Susie. I miss John. You know, whatever. They miss the social interactions, and both of those are important to children as they develop. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, to be able to get along with other people, and be knowledgeable. So those things are a result of public education, and it's really a. Um, I think without question, the teachers have stepped up and the superintendents and principals to an extent that was unimaginable mm. even 90 days ago. Yes. Uh, but now, when you when we get through with all of this, there will be some spots for distance learning, but it is not going to replace the school building and the teachers standing in front of those children. Now, Tara, he that was excellent. He talked about a lot of great things in, um, in that top of the show. But he also did an excellent job answering questions from our listeners. Remember, we had some good questions mm-hmm. from our listeners. Mm-hmm. So let's take a uh, listen to one of his answers about broadband. Let's welcome Mike to the show right now from Pontotoc. Mike, you have a question or comment for Lieutenant Governor? Yes, good morning, Mr. Hoseman. My question is about broadband service through the public utilities. I'm in Pontotoc County, and our public utility, Pontotoc Electric Power Association, just decided not to offer broadband. Um, They priced it quite high. They got a fairly low response rate and then held uh, virtually a private meeting with their board of directors and made a decision that is unfavorable for those of us who'd like to have better internet service. I know you don't have a magic wand, but I wish there was a way that you or the state could help uh, extend high-speed internet to the more rural areas like ours where we don't have cable or DSL, and the cell service is pretty spotty in itself, and satellite internet is certainly not a solution. So that's my comment, and uh, I'll get off there and listen to your answer. Thank you, Mike. Um, first of all, um, the individual co-ops were given the authority to go forward, just as Mike is talking about there. They have been polling. I think three or four have agreed to go forward. Some, this is the first one I've discovered, that did, decided not to proceed. That's number one. Number two, this is an economic issue for the co-ops and for the people they serve. So they can go forward and build out. They can build it out 10 miles to one house if you want them to. It's just how much money you're going to spend. Uh, It is not feasible, I think, for us to have um, go to the end of the gravel road and have Internet service. We're not there yet from a cost perspective. There may be some other way. Satellite, you mentioned, is not as good and it's not. But but where we can, which would be the communities like Pontotoc, the city, and surrounding area, we, we should be doing that. And in my conversations with the co-ops, I have emphasized the first person to get it is the school. 
Now, we'll be meeting back. They have had a significant loss here in the last three weeks. And uh, I know y'all haven't experienced as much in Pontotoc, but in the Delta and particularly in South Mississippi, our cooperatives have been crippled by the storms of just waves of tornadoes. They are heavily involved in putting back some cases like 12 miles of poles have been knocked down. So they're basically redoing their whole grid. So it wasn't a time for us to be talking to them about how we're going to expand when they basically are in survival mode with so many customers, tens of thousands of people out of power. They'll finish that, as they always do. They're quite confident, and they'll finish that. And when they do, I think early this summer we'll be having a discussion. I have asked for where the gaps are, and I've also asked other major suppliers, Comcast and others, where where is their gap in the coverage. Uh, I want to address that. Some of that, there are funds that are coming in the CARES Act to the state that specifically discuss distance learning as a capability of financing. So we may be able to come closer by assisting individuals in making that uh, making that decision to go forward. We may be able to help them. I don't think we certainly not have money to pay for all of Mississippi to get built out for for high-speed internet, but there may be ways to round it closer to where the co-ops can make a business decision that would not be so risky for them. The last part of that, uh, as as we look at uh, the whole broad, broadband issue and the other, everybody needs to understand in the community that there is very little future, either business or economic or education, without high-speed internet. That should be a given. So, uh, you know, when people say there's very little interest in me getting high-speed internet, I'm not willing to pay $35 a month or $60 a month or whatever. What you're doing there is condemning your county or your town to being behind everyone else. You're not going to be able to attract and maintain businesses there. Your kids are not going to get as good an education there. Uh, All those things are happening. The world is moving away from you. And so when, when, when we talk about co-ops getting together and doing this, there is no decision as to whether or not to do it. It's just the economic issue. Because if, you, if there is a decision in, in each case not to provide any broadband, even to New Albany and Pontotoc and you know some smaller towns and whatever in Mississippi, then that decision will really handicap them for the future. And... Um, I see that, and I'm perfectly willing to discuss it and have been discussing it with our co-ops, and we'll be discussing it again, and we may have a little money to help them. Well, Michelle, during this last clip, Lieutenant Hosen talked about workforce development in Mississippi and gave a little advice to our graduating seniors. Let's hear what he had to say. Talk a little bit about the changing job market and the types of jobs seniors leaving high school this year should probably be looking forward to pursue. Well, there's there's some discussions about the, as much as 30 uh, percent to 50 percent of the jobs that are available today will not be here in 2030. Mm-hmm. But not one of those discussions ever involves uh, not being computer savvy. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether or not you're building a car for Nissan or Toyota, two of our, our major our major car manufacturers, if you're building a, a car, uh, you're going to know how to run a computer. Uh, you know, er- everything, uh, it doesn't matter, ships, uh, you go to the Delta and you get in one of the combines or something, it's all computerized, and uh, planting is all computerized, and uh, drones are out looking, checking fields, and you just, it's the whole gamut of, of how we do business is becoming faster and more intelligence. Uh, being given to the computer. So your computer sciences and your coding classes, that's a big thing. Uh, people who can code are pretty much guaranteed a job in, in the future, in the future economy of Mississippi, because they can code how a machine makes uh, a, a mask or how a machine makes a car. Uh, I mean, all of that will, will revolve around the computer and the technology standpoint. So I think those are all really good things. You still have to read and write and arithmetic and be able to add and do fractions and projections and that kind of thing you're always going to have to do that and so i think those are are very basic but when you look out in the future uh, of mississippi uh, you'll see like for example um, we have a huge truck driving group here great companies that run trucks all over 
uh, they got to have drivers, and those drivers are making fifty, sixty, seventy thousand, some of them ninety thousand dollars a year driving trucks for things, and that's very, very important. Gradually, over the next decade, there'll be driverless trucks, uh, and so those people will then be able need to be able to to program the truck to leave with bananas from Gulfport and go to Chicago. Mm-hmm. So you'll see, I think, some basic skills that are here today will evolve. Uh, into other skills. Since you've driven a truck, you'll be able to know what the truck's supposed to be doing, so mm-hmm. you can write the computer and send it up there. Mm-hmm. So anyway, those I think you'll see uh, when you have your basic education, particularly your technology parts of your basic education, you'll see some uh, see some real opportunities. The other thing is we have a paucity of of, of kids and young men and women that are coming forward that have hand skills. Uh, you know, only 25% of our children actually get a uh, baccalaureate degree or a four-year degree, and about another 40% get a get a degree from a community college. So, a lot of our children uh, need to be able to be um, be able to weld, or be able to build a cabinet, or be able to uh, pour, uh, build a building, or you know all the things that you do in the hands part of those those technical skills that come from HVAC and you know all of that all of those things are going to have tremendous job openings and have them now. I mean, there's not as many people who can put together an HVAC system, AC system. So those so you'll see us in Mississippi, and we were on a tear about that till about two months ago to have career technical co-located with our schools mm-hmm. where where somebody, uh, you know, I, I can tell you a welder makes more than a lieutenant governor does. <laughs> I just tell you, and a plumber makes about twice what the lieutenant governor does. So whatever, you know, if you're making an economic decision, I could be a plumber when I would be lieutenant governor. Well, that was fun, Terry. Remember, he said, uh, "What a well, a plumber makes more than uh, what he makes as a lieutenant governor." Yeah. Well, I'm in the wrong profession, Terry. We are both. We need to go become plumbers. <laughs> I appreciate my plumber, so I'm just exactly. Let him keep doing that. But speaking of appreciate, I appreciate uh, uh, Lieutenant Hoseman being very open and honest and candid when he was talking with us. I enjoyed that. Now we actually talked with Dr. Wright as well on three separate occasions, uh, and boy, did she and her team have their work cut out. Out for them during this shutdown of schools. Uh, listen as she talks about what her biggest takeaway from spring 2020 was and their CARES funding allocation plan. You know, I think the biggest thing that we've realized is the digital divide is real. And there are a lot of children that um, do not have connectivity to the Internet and a lot of children that just don't have a device. So we have uh, jumped on the offensive and I've got to really give a hats off to our legislature for uh, for funding this, uh, we have a huge digital learning uh, plan uh, that we've put together, uh, Senate Bill 3044 and House Bill 1788 uh, provided monies for us to be able to purchase a device basically for every single child in the district or in the state. And also um, where those devices will be um, cellular and Wi-Fi enabled. So uh, if you are able to reach, you know, a cell tower, uh, you'll have connectivity um, and I think most most everybody in the state has a cell phone, so I think we that that's a good thing. Um, we are going to be looking at how we where we might need to provide hotspots as well, uh, and also learning management systems. And those are platforms that teachers can load their content onto. Then students can download that content onto their uh, devices, and then we'll be able to have that um, at home in order to learn. That's probably been the biggest takeaway is the fact that we had so many children that that were not able to um, have a device at home and and made learning difficult. I think those districts did their best. I think a lot of districts um, that knew that was happening prepared packets, and some of those districts may have to start the year with packets. Uh, we have been negotiating with all the vendors um, recently, and we're trying, obviously, to get the cost down as much as we can. And then the board, we've called a special call board meeting on August the 6th for the board to approve these contracts so that we can um, we can issue those to vendors and start getting the devices in students' hands. The federal government gave different pots of money to the states. Uh, the, the bigger dollars, if you're talking about the $1.25 billion in stabilization funds, that came directly to the state uh, under the legislature and the governor's um, authority. 
They also then gave money to um, each state department to pass on to the local districts. We had 169.9 million that came into the state, uh, and there's a 10% set aside um, for the department, and we intend to use our monies uh, to help districts that may need more assistance than others. The rest of that money flowed straight through to the districts, and it was based on the Title I formula that is used to distribute Title I dollars in the 1920 school year. So every district will have the ability to um, to, to utilize um, those funds, and those are really just flow-through funds right to the district. The governor also received a pot of money, about $34.6 million under his discretion, um, to be able to address any COVID-related um, issues or how COVID had impacted um, the state. So those are monies that are, um, that are, are there as well. With the stabilization money, though, with Senate Bill uh, 3044, there was about $130 million set aside for devices and anything related to um, digital learning, and then $20 million for um, the State Department's discretion to help districts that may need more assistance. Well, Dr. Wright really laid out the details and, and the process of the funding and how it's going to be distributed, and, you know, it be worth us following up and seeing how some of those um, things are panning out and how the districts are using that money and how it's being distributed and helping us and our students during this uh, this pandemic. So we appreciate her sharing that information with us, Michelle. She also took a few questions from our caller. So let's hear what one caller had to ask her. Well, let's go to Shelly in Vicksburg. Good morning, Shelly. Thanks for calling the show. Thank you. First of all, I would like to thank Dr. Wright and all of our leaders during this very hard time. It has to be very difficult navigating waters that we've never been in before. So I have a couple of questions. Um, One is about um, testing. And so I have a child who is a junior in high school, and he will be required to take um, state testing this year. As we know, face-to-face learning in person is the best. Um, but obviously, for many reasons, a lot of parents wish to keep their children at home. Is there any way state testing will not be done this year so that um, so that children who do choose to distance learn to learn at home, um, you know, can take that test later on when they have better instruction? So that's my first question. My second question is, have schools been given their MAEP money for July that was vetoed by Reed and promised to be paid through um, the Department of Finance and Administration? So we are working uh, with uh, DFA. That's not going to be a problem. Uh, the monies are going to be appropriated to the districts as uh, needed for MAEP, uh, and that, that's been an ongoing thing um, since, uh, since the governor did veto the bill. Uh, I do believe that that is going to be on the agenda, obviously, for the special call session, but the districts will not miss a beat as far as MAEP is concerned. And as far as um, your first question was around keeping children at home, was that your first question? Well, it was about the fact that Mississippi hasn't applied for the state testing waiver or or the federal testing waiver, and we are having state testing waivers. And so while um, virtual learning obviously is something we need to have right now, um, we know that that's not the best option for education, but it is the best option to keep children and teachers safe. And so is there any way that you see those testing restrictions being lifted? Well, the, the Department of Education in D.C. has made it very clear that they're not entertaining any waivers at this time uh, to not uh, uh, to do state testing. And so since it's just July, I think we need to get into the school year and see exactly what the situation is going to be because I would not want to preclude us from testing if we have the ability to test because we this would have made two years in a row that we really don't know um, the state of education uh, you know, and the status of all of our children around the state. And that's my biggest concern. Whether or not it's decoupled from accountability is another, is another discussion as well. Uh, whether the tests are administered, we get a sense of where children are, and then decouple that from accountability. Um, but those are conversations that we're going to continue to have uh, with the superintendents and uh, with the state board. Uh, and it doesn't preclude us from filing a waiver later on. But at this point, I think it, um, we're going to just continue as we, we normally would to plan to administer those tests um, in the spring. 
Good morning to you all. Thank you all for taking my call. I'm the father of a son who was diagnosed with autism. He's nonverbal autistic. And so because of his diagnosis, we have to keep him home because he's unable to meet the um, requirements as regards to the social distancing as well as the mask wearing requirements. So we'll, again, so we'll be keeping him home. So my question is, what's the plan in place for making sure that those students like that are receiving an equitable education? And what's the process in place if we feel that he or she is not, in fact, receiving an equitable education? That's a really good question that you brought up. And uh, we've had a lot of concerns um, expressed about our students with disabilities. And so I would expect that your local school will work directly with you as a parent of a, of a child who cannot come back to school to design a plan so that learning continues. That's the expectation. So I would, if you are not um, uh, receiving that kind of service from your school, first I would contact the principal to see what the design for your child's um, education is going to be, how often, how frequently, uh, what is it, is it going to be a paper pencil, is it going to be something along with the computer, uh, the devices will be there, and if you don't receive um, a satisfactory answer, then I would suggest that you contact the local superintendent, because uh, Dr. Eric Green, I know well, and I am sure that he, along with everybody else, is concerned about children that aren't able to return to school, so you should expect, every parent should expect to have a learning plan for his or her child uh, that meets the needs of those children and meets the needs of their IEP. The Campaign for Grade Level Reading, I can't say enough about the organization and their director, uh, Ralph Smith, who's just done tremendous work around the nation. And we've got some Campaign for Grade Level Reading, um, you know, communities here in Mississippi, too. But, but they asked me to come in because we have just catapulted to... Uh, up the ladder uh, over the past few years, and Mississippi has really gained such national recognition because of the hard work of our teachers and administrators. And it was really just an opportunity to share, you know, where we were and where we are. Um, this past year, Quality Counts um, ranked Mississippi as one of the five most improved states in the nation. Um, we've gotten such the national recognition for our our, um, our progress on the national um, assessment of education educational progress, our NAEP scores in grades four and eight, and our high school graduation rates, the highest it's ever been at 85%. And we talked about our early learning collaboratives and how the, our preschool students that are in our collaboratives are coming in already ready for kindergarten. So it was just an opportunity to really let the nation know um, how hard we've worked. We, we've talked about advanced placement. We did um, our advanced placement uh, scores and the number of children even taking advanced placement has more than doubled uh, since 2013 and as are the number of kids. And our pass rate has not even dropped by even doubling the number of kids taking advanced placement. So it's proof positive about what is happening in Mississippi. You know, our poor students on our NAEP assessment outperformed all their peers around the nation in fourth grade, and that is huge. So our children in poverty, our children of color, I mean, every area of the state was showing improvement. And I think that's what's been so hard for us in education with this shutdown, because it's critical now that we um, start the year strong. I've advised teachers that I was asked, you know, do I pick up with the third or the fourth quarter standards and start that in the fall? And I said, no, absolutely not. Start with the current grade level standards and teach from there. Our goal is to accelerate learning. We Remediation does not work. There's too much research out there that says that. Start with grade level standards and accelerate from there. We and we've got to just we've got to just take this bull by the horns. It's not what any of us want to be doing right now, but it's what we've got to be doing for the children of the state. Well, we're on calls um, twice a week. Uh, all the, the state chiefs are, so we get a lot of opportunity to share what each of us, you know, is addressing and to share resources with each other and ideas with each other. Uh, and that has been very helpful. The Council of Chief State School Officers is the organization that all of us belong to, and they have really been forthcoming in providing a lot of resources to state chiefs who then can pass that on to the districts, and that we have done as well. Um, but I think it's just it's staying on top of it. I mean, you, 
there's not a, you can't let down a minute. I mean, it's seven days a week. It's not your Monday through Friday job, that's for sure. And I think just making sure that we are on top of the situation for the safety and health of our children, uh, as well as the education of our children. And that's the reason we felt so strongly about putting together this digital plan uh, that the legislature um, was kind enough for us to fund. You know, once we get all this in place, I don't think there's another state in the nation, to be honest with you, that's doing what we're doing right now. It's it's amazing, and our legislature deserves a lot of credit. Well, Tara, that was a good time we had with Dr. Wright. Again, we had her on three separate times. Yes, Dr. Wright has certainly taken the lead and put Mississippi on the map in terms of, you know, early reading. And, you know, we had the campaign for grade level reading on as well. And it was a, a good show there talking to her about early childhood. She so, did. We, yeah. had some, we had some great shows. It was really tough putting the show together because we, all, the best our shows, ones. Yes, yes. all our shows are great. Well, it's time for us to take our first break. And when we get back, we'll continue going down memory lane as we take a look back at some of our most interesting shows. Now, I hope you enjoyed listening back to some of our top officials uh, talking about Mississippi's education plan, but we're not done. We're going to ramp it up a little bit with some Ed Said and our Senior Day show and just a few fun things we did as well. Stay tuned. This is Mississippi Education Connection on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Mississippi Education Connection on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Michelle McAdoo, along with my co-host, Tara Wren, Director of Education here at MPB. Well, today is our final live broadcast, but again, don't worry. You can listen to the weekly podcast shows on your favorite podcast app or at education at mpbonline.org. Now, before the break, we listened to a few clips of our interviews with Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman and State Superintendent of Education, Dr. Carrie Wright. Now, Tara... Yes, of course, we talked about education and how the pandemic affected families, but we also mixed in a little fun, too. Remember, we had some we had great lots fun, of fun shows. Yes. So now these next clips um, will be, this next clip actually is from our Healthy Summer Eating Show, when we invited Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Healthy Eating Ambassador, Ed said he talked about Facebook, his Facebook page, new projects that he's working on, and he talked about why healthy eating is so important. Let's listen. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing over there on Facebook. Um, I've been telling people about washing your hands, all that sort of good stuff. Wash your hands for 20 seconds with soap and water, and then also wear your mask. Uh, we had some things from the helpsters. That was a cool video I saw that I wanted to push out to all my friends. But then also we've been pushing out these uh, cool activity pages, you know, just something to do while you're at home and learning about all the different fruits and vegetables and good, healthy things like that. So it's something to do, something to look at, and some healthy advice for them, you know? Right. Well, Ed, you have a favorite saying. What is it again? Uh, it's not hocus pocus. Being healthy keeps you focused. So what does that message mean for kids? Well, it's like I was saying earlier. It's like when you're healthy, when you're eating healthy, you can keep your mind focused on whatever you're doing. If it's focusing on schoolwork, cool. If it's focusing on playing with your friends, cool. If you have a good, healthy diet, like good fruits and vegetables and things like that, not chips and cookies and cakes and all that sort of stuff, that's good. Okay, that's okay sometimes, but when you're having good food all the time, it keeps you healthy on the inside, and you're able to play longer. You're able to work on your homework longer. You're able to sit and learn longer. And sometimes that's hard for some kids, but when they do have a chance, I think that they should do that and eat the healthy choices, which is something I really, in the future, I hope we get to talk about how kids can grow their own healthy foods and stuff like that. We know that you also have visited gardens and grocery stores and all sorts of places where healthy foods are. Can you tell us what your favorite place to visit has been? Well, there are so many great places, but uh, I got to say the one place that I really enjoyed visiting the most there was, uh, we got to go to Beeson Family Farms. 
this was a lot of fun because we were learning about milk and like where it comes from and all this sort of stuff. We had to get up super early in the morning. <laughs> get up <laughs> with the cows. Exactly. <laughs> and, but it turns out that they work really hard to do what they do. And it was just really cool to see, see the cows out there and, and learn the process and all that sort of stuff. So that was really fun. But also getting to go to the farmer's market and seeing all the farmers with all their fruits and vegetables that they grow. I mean, it's hard to pick one place, you know, it's so many great things. And also the guy with a beehive in his wall, that was kind of weird. That was wild too. (laughs) So Ed, tell us a little bit about those videos and where people can find them and what's your favorite one that you've made along the way and how you interact with children in those videos. Talk a little bit about that. Okay. Oh, man. Okay. So, you know, first, you know, which comes first, the egg or the chicken, you know, that kind of, but when we write the song, we go in and we get to, to create the videos. And uh, sometimes we do, we bring kids in, some of the lunch bunch comes in and helps sing on the song or even dance like they did in the citrus shake video. It was so fun. We actually had a parade down the street with all these kids and stuff. That was so fun. And I heard, I heard Janae talking about the shows that we do. Those things are so much fun. I mean, I feel like a kind of like a rock star (laughs) because I go out there and the kids, they're just so happy to see me and I'm so happy to see them. We just love Ed's Ed. You know, he was fun. He was. That was my first time meeting him. Yes. (laughs) You and him became good friends, right? That's my BFF now. That's good. (laughs) So everybody should check Ed's, continue to check Ed's Ed out on edsed.com org on his Facebook page as well. Now, Michelle, we know that COVID-19 affected the graduating class of 2020 in a major way. So we decided to celebrate them here on the show with our Senior Day show. We asked a few students from around the state to give their personal reflections and shout outs to their schools and teachers and classmates. Let's listen a little. Good morning. I am Courtney Sutton, the salutatorian, student body president, and homecoming queen at the Forest Hill High School in Jackson, Mississippi. I would like to personally congratulate Victoria Harrison, the valedictorian, and my other fellow classmates. Thank you all for making my high school career memorable. Even though we aren't able to graduate together, we still made it out together. I want to wish you all the best. And remember, we are the best. We are better than the rest. We are the mighty, mighty patriots. I love you all. Hi, my name is Lillian Lindsay, and I am a senior at Water Valley High School in Water Valley, Mississippi. This year definitely ended a little different than expected, but something that has been getting me through it is Proverbs 3, verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. So congratulations to all my fellow 2020 high school graduates. Hi, my name is Kate Rodenmeyer. I am a senior at St. Andrew's Episcopal School in Ridgeland, Mississippi. I just want to say thank you to all my wonderful teachers and classmates who have been there for me throughout high school. And even though this isn't how we expected senior year to turn out, I think we've learned from this and become stronger as a class. And I just want to say congratulations to my fellow classmates of 2020. Hello, my name is Jonathan McWee, a proud 2020 graduate from Forest Hill High School in Jackson, Mississippi. And I'd like to leave my fellow classmates with this thought. People don't build you, you design yourself. Well, hi, my name is Auburn Hammy. I'm a graduating senior from St. Andrew's Episcopal School. I'd like to say that even though this wasn't supposed to go like this at all, there's still some positive aspects to it and to make sure that we're grateful for everything we have and don't take anything for granted. And then I'd like to congratulate all my fellow seniors and say thank you to all our teachers for helping us out during this rough time period. I'm Evan Morsey, and I'm a graduating senior at Murrah High School from Jackson, Mississippi. I want to say thank you to all my teachers and my parents who have been supporting me through all of this and who have been supporting the rest of my school and the rest of the students there. And I also want to say a thank you to my school district as well and the way that they've worked to help students and help parents and families in the best way that they can during this crisis when we lack a a physical structure for school. 
quote-unquote, still need those bonds that tie us together. Congratulations to all my fellow 2020 graduates. Yeah, that was a nice thing those kids did. I know they had a lot going on, but they, you know, persevered and were strong. Uh, speaking of strong, we actually, on that show, interviewed three graduating seniors. Coulter Clement from Water Valley High School, Khalees Posey from Terry High School, and Evan Morrissey from Murrah High School in Jackson. Now, they talked about their experience with having to leave school abruptly, and uh, they gave some insightful advice to their classmates. Let's listen that the week before spring break was your last week in school. Would you have done anything differently? I definitely would have went around to every teacher that I had in high school or every teacher that has impacted me in any type of way and just gave them that one final hug that I've always wanted to give them towards the end of the year and just thank them for helping me get through these long four years of high school. And I would have taken time to also hug my peers that were below me that I probably wouldn't be able to see again. Yeah, I would have done that. Do you have any final thoughts for your fellow 2020 graduates? Oh, I just want to say, y'all, we made it. (laughs) We made it. Don't let the thought of not having a traditional ceremony discourage you because we still got that diploma. That's all I want to say. So just congratulations. Keep your head high because we made it. Do you have any final words for your fellow 2020 graduates? Yes, I have just a little something like to say to them. So seniors, these past few weeks have not been easy for anyone, and my heart especially hurts for the class of 2020 around the world. None of us could have imagined that our senior year would conclude the way that it has, but a verse that's given me so much hope is John 10.10. And it states that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come so you may have life and do life abundantly. So it may feel as if the remainder of our senior year was stolen from us. But there's one who comes to give us abundant life. So seniors, keep your heads up. Congratulations. The best is yet to come and do life big. In hindsight, if you knew that the last week of school was the week before spring break, would you have done anything differently? Totally. I would have worked so much harder to try to connect with people and be in the moment and try to experience what I had. But at the same time, you know, I was in the moment then and I was still sharing my time. Maybe if in hindsight I wish I did more, I still, you know, cherish those moments that I had with the people I loved at my high school when I was with them. And, you know, I I wouldn't change that for the world. Do you have any last words for your fellow 2020 graduates? I'm so glad that we've made it to 2020. And even during this pandemic, everybody's still moving forward. And we're still going to do so as well. Now, Tara, those seniors were strong and proud, and I'm so glad they made it through, and they're in college right now. Absolutely. Maybe you can touch base with them and see how they're doing. We'll bring them back on the podcast. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Now, Tara, we both personally understand the challenges that come with working and having a student in online classes. Now, every week we had guests that gave us very good words of wisdom, basically telling us how they maneuvered through this pandemic. Let's take a listen to a few of them right now. Well, tell us how you've been juggling being a mother, a wife, <laughs> at-home teacher, an employee during this pandemic, <laughs> and with the shelter and home orders that we've had. Yes. So this has um, definitely been a learning curve, and um, I try as much as possible to have a rhythm to my day, but it's like it's kind of like playing jazz. It's a flexible rhythm. Um <laughs> So um, a lot of that really includes trying to start my day early before my kids wake up Mm. so I can get some uninterrupted work done. Um, That doesn't always happen. There are some days like yesterday that my son's wide awake at 2.30 in the morning. Um, And so it's, like I said, it's kind of like jazz. Um, It's also included learning how to give myself a lot of grace when I feel like I'm falling short because I think we all hold ourselves to a high standard. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... Um, I have expectations for myself, especially as an educator, especially as a mom, especially as a wife. And so on those days when I can't, I don't feel like I've hit the bar, I have to give myself some grace. And my husband has been really, really supportive with that and very encouraging, very affirmative. Um, as an educator mom, as a teacher mom, um, it, also reme- it also means daily reminding myself of the different ways that children learn um, and, you know, reminding myself that building sand castles or watering the plants or learning how to sew, promote creative thinking, mm-hmm. they teach science, um, it's fine motor skills. 
And so um, all of those are just constantly reminding it's okay. You know, give yourself grace. It's okay. What has been your go-to strategy? And Michelle asked earlier to another parent in answering that question, also tell us what's been the most challenging. One of my uh, go-to strategies or what I've learned um, in trying to help the kids to accomplish the goals that are set before them, um, it's been helpful to have a dedicated base for them to do their work um, somewhere when they wake up in the morning um, and they get started with their day, they know that I'll go here. And for people like me or like us, that's been helpful um, to know that this is where my things are, this is where my computer is, this is where I'm going to work, and to just be able to access those things readily and easily and stay organized. Organization is very important um, in trying to stay on track and manage all of this. Um, Another one has been having some sort of a routine. So while we want to be flexible, it's nice to know that the plan is, but if we have to deter from our plan a little bit make adjustments, then that's fine as well. Um, And the children have gotten into the routine. And then it's also posted, my husband (laughs) made a little chart. So the kids, if for some reason they forget what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it. They have a little pictograph, if you will, um, with a flow of how their day should go. And, they, you know, it really helps them to be independent and um, allows us to, you know, supervise more. Um, and the last thing I would say is um, downtime. Initially, it was about the work, the work, the work, but then realizing that um, they needed some downtime um, and, that really helped giving them those breaks throughout the day and also self-monitor when they need breaks and when they're ready to start back working. Well, Tara, you know what? They gave me some great nuggets. I know you're a parent and I'm a parent as well. What did you learn throughout this show? Because I learned a lot of things about balance and patience and, like she said, giving yourself grace, knowing that, We're not perfect, and we're not going to be perfect, but everybody's dealing with the same thing. That's what I learned throughout this six months, being on the show and listening to the parents and the experts uh, talk about how they're maneuvering and managing through this pandemic. Well, in addition to those, grace has has been my um, key word (laughs) the um, past six months or whenever we first heard that, but grace. And in addition to that, I did learn a lot of um, protocol within our education system. So I learned a lot from our um, experts and our education leaders, and that was just very um, important to learn and to know about the state you live in and how the the system operates. Also learned that our teachers are heroes Mm. and our students are resilient and I've learned a lot of things. But I know. Just, yeah. Do you think the goal that you set out with Mississippi Education Connection six months ago was accomplished? Well, I certainly hope so. You know, our goal was to provide timely information, you know, that's practical, practical that teachers and parents and students can use right now, something that they can do in their daily lives. We wanted to help, you know, since MPB is the education. We're all about education. That's our core. And so the purpose was to provide that education information or information to support during COVID-19, this pandemic, when they were out of school and we were all up in the air. So I, I certainly hope that we've been a help and we will want to continue to be a help with the the, um, the podcast. Exactly. Speaking of that, let's bring on our new host, the host of, we don't want to call it Mississippi Education Connection, but you, Jermaine Flood, welcome to the show. Hey, thank <laughs> you for having me, Michelle. Good morning. Good morning. Talk a little bit about the um, contest and how people can help you guys rename the podcast or name the podcast. Oh, yeah, definitely. We want to yield any kind of suggestions that our audience has on renaming this podcast. I did get a suggestion from one of our education specialists here, um, Yomika Gaffney. She said we should call it the Education Pod Squad. So that suggestion has <laughs> been called one. a squad before. <laughs> <laughs> so that's suggestion number one. But I am I am excited to hear what the audience has to say about what they would want it to be called. If if you're a top fan of Mississippi Education Connection and you want some buy-in on this new podcast, especially if you know you're going to listen on a weekly basis, come on in with your suggestions because um, I'm welcoming them all. I would love to hear what you have to what you have to say and what you think we should be named. What about if they have show ideas and, and guest ideas? Can they email you as well? Oh, I am an open book to all ideas that you may have. 
Um, I love the listener. I love the listener who listens every single week to Mississippi Education Connection because that's the person who I want to make sure that we address any of the issues that they may have, any questions that you may have, anything that you want us to delve a little deeper into. Please send all of those suggestions our way. Um, you can get in contact with us by going to our education page, um, and you can email us that way. You can you can contact us that way to send those suggestions, and you can call in um, to the show today and and get those um, <laughs> those name ideas out there for for the new podcast name. Now, Tara, Jermaine, you both can answer this. What's your goals and plans, or you just want to continue the momentum we started here live? Well, certainly we will continue the momentum, um, continue the conversations with teachers and parents and students. We'll talk about events and, and things that we have going on here at MPB. Um, pretty much everything we do here at MPB is education, and even in the MPB education department and on television, whatever connections we can make with our education, uh, with our students, from our programming. That's where we're going to delve into topics from within the classroom, in-home, digital learning, parents' support, workforce development, Jermaine, we're going to do it all, right? Yeah, and to to expand on what you had said earlier, the mission um, where we're trying to get this out, this timely news out, um, this news out in a timely manner, to expand on the mission of Mississippi Education Connection, no matter what we name the new podcast, is what we really want to do. We want to delve a little deeper, like Tara was saying, into into all those aspects and corners. Well, yes, I know you're wondering what is going to be back here on Fridays at 10 o'clock. Next Stop Mississippi is back. I know you've heard the promo. Kamel King of Visit Mississippi and myself will be back on the road visiting places around the state, letting you know what you can do on the weekends or for a staycation in your state. And I know, Tara, we're in two different departments, but our goal is the same, to promote what's best about Mississippi. And that's Mm -hmm. what I love about working here at Mississippi Public Broadcast. I do radio, you do education, but again, everything is about promoting and making Mississippi great. You know, not great again, because we've always been great. And we just want to let the world know how great Mississippi is from our people to our places to our events. Now, next Friday, we're actually talking to Commissioner Andy Gibson. We're talking about the Mississippi State Fair. We're going to talk about what the fair is going to look like for this year, 2020, and the new pandemic, and uh, what you can expect. Any last words, Jermaine or uh, Tara, about the on-air show? It's been a lot, Tara. Did you really get a feel of how a production happens every week here in radio? I was super (laughs) nervous when I first started, but, you know, having you here, Michelle, it's been a joy to see your sunshiny (laughs) face every Friday, except for two of those. I think I wasn't in here with you, but it's, it's just been a joy, you know, to learn a new set of skills, something that um, you can call me back here anytime and co-host with you. We love it. And we love it. But I have enjoyed it. Well, I can say this, Jermaine and Tara, let you guys know, I learned a lot about the education department. And I can say I love what you could do. And I'm looking forward to being a part of what you guys do. You've been a a good student every week, Michelle. uh, We decide what we're going to do and you go off and you learn about it. And you know, you've learned about us, education, more about MPB, more about our Mississippi education. I mean, you've just been a good study. You study and make sure you're prepared. And I have thoroughly appreciated that. Thank you. And I have enjoyed it as well. Yes. And I continue to uh, work with you guys on the engineering side of the podcast. Can't wait. Thank you, Jermaine. Can't wait to work with you on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Michelle. You're welcome. See you in a little bit. Well, we've come to the end of another great show. We want to thank you for tuning in each and every week and thank everyone who helped make this show possible. Java Chapman, thank you so much. Our engineer, MPB's education department, and of course, the Mississippi Department of Education. Now remember, you can listen to the weekly podcast on your favorite podcast app or at education at mpbonline.org. For Tara Wren, I'm Michelle McAdoo. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy for Women and join me and Kamel King next Friday at 10 a.m. for Next Stop Mississippi here on MPB Think Radio.